What's so good? Well, I'm like not actually further than you though. I'm only six uh-huh. episodes into the show so far. God. But the OVA that starts. So when you watch it on Crunchyroll, there's like the three episode OVA. Mm-hmm. I and missed so, that. I don't think it was there before. Yeah. It's so weird though because it kind of starts in the middle of the story where she says already living at, you know, the mansion and stuff with uh-huh. skeleton guy and pink pink maid girl. And, like, mm-hmm. there's a talking dog. So it's very, like, in media res. Yeah. But then, but then she tells a story from when she's a little kid. And that's kind of the main brunt of the mm. three episodes. So it provides a ton of backstory into why she is the way she is. Mm-hmm. And I was sobbing by the end. That's really nice. Very good. So, oh, man. So it's weird, though, because it's kind of like she doesn't get better by the end. Because then, so, like, you have these really heartwarming three episodes, and then smash cut to episode one of the show proper, and she has completely given up on life. It's just like, oh. I've completely given up on life, too, if we're being honest. Did you sell yourself at an auction as a slave? I could. That's how an anime I started watching starts. I could probably, I could probably manage that. I could probably pull that off, if we're being honest. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that that yeah, that show made me very invested very quickly, and I really liked it. And I I told yeah. you to be really excited about the two parter, yeah, the kitty cat two parter. Happy episode seventy five, everybody! Welcome. Hi, We're gonna sell everybody at an auction and apparently lose <laughs> the will to live. I missed the yep. first half of that because I was it's gone. Fine. But I, 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 I interjected. By, I interjected myself in a manner that I feel was both professional and comedically timed well. Absolutely. Yep. So we're doing this so, one live on the old Twitch, and for those that are listening to this after the fact, I want you to hop on over to Tinkerloon.com and check out Rock Glumber's ply top shell. It's a plywood thing shell that you can put something like a raspberry pi in and it'll get your own little cute laptop it's a really cool idea interesting cool something something he and his wife have been working on for about two years damn cool and it's a really cool project definitely go check it out it's if you're in the chat right now we've got the link there at the bottom and if you're listening after the fact again once again t-i-n-k-l-e no wait no, it's not tinkle. It's not tinkle. It's not peeing. <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's tinkerloon.com, T I N K E R L O O N dot com. And there you'll find information all about the ply top shell and how oh, yeah. it's really pretty neat. Pretty neat and cool idea. Um this is the okay. podcast where we talk the about money. things. The money Thank has you. been wired to your account for that advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna buy yeah, so we're talking about Squarespace. Yeah, Squ- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, how do we not have a Squarespace fucking sponsorship yet? Gives you unlimited anime. I feel like I feel like that <laughs> one would. The news about, good, about Blue Apron. I, I I feel I feel like Crunchyroll would be just completely wasted on us because we have nothing to do with anime. Mm. Nah, true. Not at all. 
couponbug.com. Crunchyroll. Okay. To my immediate virtual right, he is the internet's toilet bowl. It's It's Rhett. That's not a good... That's probably not a good thing to be. I probably should have thought about that one. I probably should have... I think we're keeping that one moving forward, actually. Yeah, I think that'll just be your... First (laughs) multi-episode intro. (laughs) I'm not Reddit. I didn't really think that one out before I said it. I just opened my mouth and it flew out. everything on this show now. Basically, yeah. Basically. How you doing, Rhett? Are you ready to do a live podcast? Like I don't know. It's been so long since we did an episode of the Soxcast. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, it's man. It's been, been like five years, I think. Something like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's weird that we actually were... actually only the second episode. Yeah. We did one like five years ago, and then we're like, okay, see you in two weeks, and then, you know, shit happens. It's yeah, kind. Of, it's kind of weird that we actually ended up with an episode being two weeks apart. That because that's not going to be a regular thing anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't expect this to be a regular happening. It just kind of things lined up really well. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like an this is like a fucking bonus for you. Hell yeah. Bonus. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great because we had a nor'easter this week and we lost the power for a couple days. And there's yeah. another one on Tuesday. Oh, fantastic! You sound yeah, very fun. enthused. Yeah gonna lose power again fantastic like so well, I, they already showed a map that's like likely outage area and it's just like the entire state it's oh like, good oh, cool. can't even just run to your dad's place this time it's just no no <laughs> fucking totally everybody everybody's yeah. literally going to die this is the area to... where everybody's going to die no questions <laughs> asked it's a snowstorm not a nuke come on yeah I consider them to be on par. Though I would welcome a nuke over... I, w- I would welcome nuclear winter over winter winter. Winter's pretty bad, huh? Yeah, it fucking sucks. Not a fan. And it's almost it's over, just... fam. It's almost over. God, I'm so ready. I've never appreciated sun as much as I do now. <laughs> like, ugh. God. To my immediate left, you are not ready for the hot simultaneous two-player action of John Thire. Hi! How's it going? Going, doing really well. Happy Sunday, y'all. Yeah, doing good. It's Sunday. Saving time Sunday. Yeah, like, and everybody always bitches about losing an hour of sleep, and I feel just fine. Me too. And I'm, I mean... Saving time is better, because you get more sun. Exactly, like, I'm in in an even better mood, because it's 7.07 where I'm at, and I look outside, and it's not pitch black. Yeah, I'm here. That's actually really. That is really nice. I'm really gonna enjoy that. Yeah, it's 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 definitely welcoming to spring and summer to get everybody out of the fucking doldrums that the winter fucking outlaw winter already. Come on, Obama, get on it. Why isn't Barack Obama doing things anymore? Is my question. It's like, what the fuck? No, he's Honestly. been really kind of silent the last. It's been year. Very quiet for the last year or so and I'm just like very unbecoming of a president I know I know we're real so what are we doing on this fun episode of the Sox cast are we gonna like switch it up we're doing a 45 minute episode yeah we're doing like 45 minutes like this is gonna be a short one. <laughs> oh yeah sure it is I hope it is yeah 
But yeah, let's keep it. Let's keep it snappy. Yeah. Because when I ask John Thayer to talk about things, it's just super snappy, right to the point, has never actually written a game FAQ's walkthrough on the fucking podcast before. Just trying to keep it, yeah, keep it snappy. That way we'll be more willing to jump in and do these kind of short ones in the future. Yeah. The stakes are high. The stakes are very high. John Thayer, do you have it in you? To, to be, keep it snappy? To, to keep it snappy. Do you have it in you? Do you do you want to practice? Do you want to give it a go? Or do you think you're ready to take it out for a spin? Hell yeah. All right. Take it out for a spin, John Thayer. Get us started. All right. So I read a, I read a bunch of books, actually, but there's one I want to talk about. You remember last year when I talked about when I went at length about um, the Mistborn fantasy novels? I, I remember. I remember. And yeah. Went very happy about them and had no one to talk to about them mm-hmm. because so far I've had two people in my life who have read them and both of those relationships ended on very bad terms. Oh, <laughs> That's always a good reason to never go back to a thing again I find. So now I'm now like I've got a little bit of angst about friends not being uh, not having anyone to talk about these things with mm-hmm. but then also in the back of my mind I'm like but if I if they did what if the curse continues? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. After so, this, we're dumping you after this episode. It's over. Mm-hmm. So, the, basically, Brandon Sanderson has written just a shit ton of books. He writes books constantly. Giant, epic fantasy books. Like, he's just shitting out books at this point. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's the polar opposite of, like, the George R.R. R. Martin, like, oh, I wrote five books in 20 years, and people are really excited about me for some reason. And... I've got a lot more respect for his Anderson just being like, all right, here's a series, here's a series, here's a book, here's a book. Here's different genres. I'm just going to keep having at it. Um, and this was actually, and the one I read was called Elantris, E-L-A-N-T-R-I-S. And it's... Isn't what, that it's a car? Novel. I think that's a car. I think that's a car model. <laughs> um, <Hyundai> Elantris. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um... So I realized I never actually explained, like, what the premise of this book is, because Mistborn didn't really have, like, a snappy premise you can share. I keep saying snappy now. <laughs> like, a good premise you can share, um, because it's just like, hey, it's like Star Wars, but there's a really cool magic system, and that's it. And <laughs> that's kind of hard to sell people on. <laughs> um, so, Elantris, it's a fantasy novel. A prince wakes up, and he's been cursed. Mm. The, the curse makes him essentially immortal. He can no longer die from being stabbed or suffocated or starved. Like, he just lives. Right. However, his body no longer heals. Ooh. And whenever he's in pain, whenever he's hurt, the pain from that hurt stays with him. Yeah, like, these wounds, they will not heal. Yeah. God. <laughs> I feel like I get that reference. I can't remember what it's from. It might be a reference. I probably just off-the-cuff that shit, though. Fair enough. Um, so like at the be- near the beginning of the book, the prince like stubs his toe, and it just like and then it just stays stubbing, and doesn't go away. Like and what kind of injury do you get from stubbing your toe though? You just go fucking ow, and that's it. And like, that, <laughs> but that's it. You like he like hits his toe, and then that pain like registers, but then the body doesn't like pro- move past it and process it. So now he's just mid toe stub forever. That'd be this a little annoying. Nightmarish. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It's it's hell. Yeah, I was about to say it sounds like a, a hell that someone would be sentenced to. 
that's like the opening of the book is the that's like the first line is oh he woke up and he didn't realize that he'd been damned for all eternity that's a hell of a way to wake up like yep. imagine waking up one morning and not knowing that you're gonna be constipated for the rest of your life that's like a dress like oh don't cough too much because then you'll feel like you you'll irritate your throat and feel like you have a cold forever don't eat at taco bell <laughs> your bowels will never recover and so a bunch of other people were cursed like this it's, it's not like a human applied curse it strikes randomly um, with no regard for like status so princes, peasants, everyone um, and then all of its victims are just kind of hated they look, they also like really splotchy when mm-hmm. their hair falls out um, and the people, they throw them into the lock them in the dead city of Atlantis of Atlantis and so now I'm getting Dark Souls vibes. Yeah, so everyone they, is locked. They throw is, them in the undead asylum. Yeah. Sorry. And there's literally like hollows about who are people who have just received so much pain that they just can't process anything now. Huh. Um, so I think the main thing is that I think that's a really great premise. And then what's also cool is that they don't really go like aggressively grim dark with it. Um, like, you could easily just make that the most miserable thing ever. Yeah. But, like, almost immediately, the prince, like, processes what's happened, and then, like... Immediately well, packs himself in pillows. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, like, time to make a life for myself. And then try actively tries... To, and everyone is... There's no food coming into the city, so everyone is perpetually... Almost no food. So everyone's perpetually starving and fighting over whatever scraps they can get. Um, when, when he gets in there and he's almost almost attacked and then avoids it. Um, so then he like starts trying to make life better in this city and for all the people around him. It, so it starts out just in hell and then it's, alright, how do I make life better for people in hell? And I thought that was really nice. It's a, a noble thing to take upon one's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And a trying thing. And he spent as much time in the POV of, like, two non-Elantrian people outside the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, like, you could you could take that kind of premise and do something really tense and small and intimate, I think, by just staying in that one guy's perspective. But it it's a Brandon Sanderson book, so it's big and epic, and it jumps to other people, like a princess and this guy from an oppressive religious sect who's trying to convert everyone in this town who's in this nation to otherwise they'll be attacked by this evil big evil empire mm. and there's a bunch of political squabbling and then it all comes together in a really cool way in a big giant epic anime climax which all of his books all of do. the books yeah, yeah i remember yeah <laughs> yeah which as far as things to like as far as like ruts to wear yourself into like that's a pretty good one uh i'm interested in seeing what his later books do since i basically wrote r- read his first four books yeah, and now he's got like thirty other, twenty others or something. So I'm excited about that. That's a lot of material to immerse yourself in. No, I'm not gonna like dive into all of it. I'm just, you know, every it's like every. I know how you consume now. media. You're yeah, gonna dive into all of them. You're gonna dive into all of them. You're not fucking fooling anybody. <laughs> well, that's when I dive into them. Like I read this. This is like a giant six, seven hundred page book, but I read in like four days. So that's kind of how I've experienced all of it, is that when I'm in it, I'm deep in it, and then I pull out and then wait for several months that I don't 
just a great way to word that. Just a great way to word that. Yeah, just pull out and then <laughs> wait. <laughs> pull out. I don't want to. I just want to blow my load all at once, basically. <laughs> that's not really a non That's not really a double entendre. That's just an entendre. Yeah. Um. So I really loved the book, and it came together in an amazing way, and it made me happy and cry a lot, and I liked it. We're still on a streak of things that make John Thayer cry. Like, I think we've gone every episode there's been something that's made John Thayer cry. I mean, that's me as well, so... Yeah. Wow, I guess I'm the emotionless bitch here. (laughs) Sorry, Polly. (laughs) You can't have only just read a book. What else did you do? Oh, sure. I did one. I had one other thing I wanted to talk about. Go for uh, it. I was on Tumblr, and this game called, this visual novel, it's called Us Lovely Corpses, um, got reblogged on my timeline. Mm-hmm. Never heard of the creator. Uh, I think Taylor reblogged it. I don't think Taylor played it. Just, like, it has really pretty art and it looks good. And I was like, fuck it. I'll just give this a shot. Just, I had time to spare, and I just, just felt like it. Um, and then I played this half-hour-long VN and completely loved it and it was really really good uh, which was a really neat feeling because just stumbling on something you have no reason to like check out beyond it just it looks cool and then having it knock your socks off is a really good feeling yeah I've, I've done that with like albums before where I just see it and be like I don't know it seems alright and it's five bucks I'll buy it <laughs> mm-hmm. um so this one is just a fairy tale type thing here. Um, I'll link you in a bit, but it just kind of has this. It, it looks kind of Steven Universe-y, I think, with the art. Yeah, that's and, the kind of vibe that I got from it. Yeah, and that, I feel like this, that kind of comes across with the story too, where it's like this really tightly paced, l- nice. Um, well, it's like a 30-minute visual novel. Like, it's got to be yeah. snappy and tightly paced. Snappy. Yeah. It's yeah. only got two char- two real, two real, main characters, and it's all about their relationship. Hmm. <laughs> 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 and one of them's a witch who's there to help the um, this other girl deal with her curse, basically. Um and there's and there's maybe gay love story elements that are very nice and so it's it's your ZCT game remade in basically that's the kind of the vibe that I was getting it's, just from it's it's absolutely that only <laughs> kind of, only like, better it, and it also deals a lot with depression basically yeah. that's um, a lot for thirty minutes yeah and it just it it just nails it like that's cool like it's really cool to see something like this that just kind of has this short, good story, and then just executes it just as well as possible. Like, I've had a handful of things where I completely loved the story and what they were going for, but then when it came time to, like, nail a specific moment, they flounder a bit just in, like, the execution. Like, the idea of it would be perfect, um, but then it wouldn't quite stick to landing in the way I wanted. And this just wasn't that. It just completely made me happy and I got Anna to play it and they loved it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to play it. Like I saw you tweeting about it for the last twenty four hours nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> Every fucking minute. 
So Crazy. yeah, I, I had planned on playing it before we got here today, but I was busy most of the day yeah. doing other things. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna check it out. And Chelsea wants to know uh, if ZZ Top invented ZZT. Um, no, that was Tim Sweeney. Actually, ZZT invented ZZ Top. It was ZZ <laughs> <laughs> ZZ Tim Sweeney. Mm. That sounds about right. Same company that same company that went on to make Gears of War. <laughs> Boy, there's a little Which bit of a disconnect a there. Very elaborate CCT game. It's amazing. Yeah, game. actually, yeah, same engine. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what you can do when you just like make the header of your file is 3D equals yes. Like, whoa, <laughs> who fucking knew? It's just like when you go to put out any game that has multiplayer in it, and it may be couch co-op, oh, yeah. the person just forgot to put is online equals yes. They just forgot to put that in the file, lazy fucking developers. I mean, I don't know why every developer does, just doesn't put playable on Nintendo Switch equals yes. Yeah, like... I, Come on, it's, it's that I, easy. God. Did you see the Momodora? author being like, I tried to put in a Game Maker Studio 2 and it was hard. <laughs> God, because they can, that's going to be on Switch now. Yay. Yeah, uh, as is uh, Undertale. Undertale is going to be on the Switch now. And, yeah. Eventually. Cool. And Game Maker 2 is going to be on Switch now, which, that's a weird thing. Does that mean Wait, the actual game? Yeah, it actual Game Maker, I guess. Weird. Well, I mean, it has like, I, yeah, I, if you they could do a touchscreen keyboard on, yeah, you could do a touchscreen keyboard, but like, Most you can make you can make a lot of stuff with its drag and drop interface. Yeah. You don't have to really pull out the guts with GMT if you don't want to. Yeah, like makes sense. Game Maker made it before Mario Maker. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> um, the one thing I was worried about with this us lovely corpses was that the is like they lean. Like, the metaphor is really straightforward, mm -hmm. and I can see that being kind of, like, off-putting to some people. Like, I kind of dug the clarity of it, but, wait, it's very straightforward, and I can see some people feeling like it's on the nose. But then, so I watched Anna play it, like, kind of wondering, was, was this just me? But then they were like, nope, I completely loved it. So... What's up with people idea. not liking things if they're too on the nose about something? Mm -hmm. It's, it seems a little a pre little pretentious when you want everything to be some deep metaphorical thing. When sometimes a thing just means a thing. Yeah, and this is and this is that, and I feel like that's it. It were they executed really well. So, and there's still a couple moments that really just totally surprised me in the way they needed to. So, uh, and really um, <clears throat> listen, listening garden is pointing out uh, in the chat that Nintendo had a patent. Uh, go through for a keyboard for the Switch just before the video went live uh, for uh, so I would definitely say that you know you're going to be PSO is coming to Switch yep Cause, oh yeah you know keyboard no, they, no. boom nailed it <laughs> we'll, we'll Actually, just we'll PSO just get our friend we'll just Switch. we'll just get our friend to make another adapter and that's all we have to do makes sense <clears throat> All right, I think that's that's it for me. Right, right, right. Oh, that was unusually quick. I know. Fourteen right? minutes. Fourteen minutes for a John Thire topic. I'm fucking bowled over over here. Two topics. Two. How did that happen? Two things. Wow. Yeah. Fucking shit. You're on the clock, right? 
So, so, oh, okay. I was going to ask John about Toho, but oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. We'll do Toho. We'll talk Toho. What about Toho? (laughs) No, I didn't beat. I did not beat UFO. It's very hard. UFO's fucking relentless. I can't. I can't play UFO at all. I think UFO is like the last visible game. Maybe Ten Desires isn't that bad, but like at some point, Zune added like fire bullets that blend into each other. Yeah. Mm, this sucks. I don't remember if those are in UFO or not. I don't think so. I mean, they have the fire that's... It looks like the same as the fire from um, Great Fairy yeah. Wars, which I think is fine. Uh, um, and subterranean that I'm talking about, though, actually. <laughs> like, there's yeah. Moku fire, and then there's, like, kind of bl- bloom fire. Yeah, bloom is, fire that actually has a sort of bloomish effect on it. Yeah. yeah. They blur into... But like, <laughs> the latest game has such bad visibility in some parts. Oh, yeah. I rage quit the newest Toho game because I was just like this literally is not fucking viewable. (laughs) I saw a lot of people bitching about the last boss because the last boss cycles through all the seasons. Oh no. It's just like a green background with green bullets or something. Oh no. Like zero regard to visibility. Yeah. This is why those uh, the cave games always have like neon pink bullets. There's no ambiguity. Yeah. Or you can play Battle Gear again. Everything's gray. Oh, God, yeah. But I really love UFO. It's a good final Toho game. I I love UFO. I just wish I could play it, but I can't because the visibility, there's just a lot going on in that game that I can't keep track of. It's just just trying to... Because your eyes are drawn up to the UFOs. Yeah, Yeah. that's what it is. And then you can't look down at the bullets that are coming at you, and that's it. See, I think... Oh, look, Chelsea has a wrong opinion in chat. She says that UFO is the best Toho when it's actually subterranean animism. Huh, weird. Weird. (laughs) Oh, wow, Rhett. Huh, you're wrong as well. Weird. What is up with all of my friends having the worst opinions fucking ever? I think that I think those three make a solid top three. I don't think those are. Yeah, I don't think those are worst opinions. Yeah, I, um, I'd probably put perfect, perfect Cherry Blossom up there. I got a lot of the same vibes with UFO yeah. as that, so they kind of they kind of came together in a neat way for me. I think the thing about each other. the visibility in UFO is that in like the kind of the newer games, like you can be looking right at your character, and the bolts are blended with the background so much that you'll just not see what hits you. Whereas in UFO, like it's deliberately trying to get you to look away from your character and look at the yeah, UFOs. You, you yeah, you have to. If you're going to utilize the UFO system at all, you you cannot be looking so, at your character. Yeah. So it's not as so much as visibility as it is intentionally distracting. It's like the Wii U of look at the gamepad now, look at the screen. You know? Yeah. See, I don't like... See, uh, Adamine brings up a point in chat and that they, they like the challenge of distinguishing between UFOs and bolts. I don't because I have one eye. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's not very fun. <laughs> yep, that's very fair. God. Um, and you need those extra lives because everything is yeah. really fucking hard. Yeah, like the UFOs, like it's a fantastic idea. I love it. Like it's fan. Like you build your bombs, you build your lives, and those are the resources you get. You have to work for your shit. Yeah. It's a great idea. I just can't. I can't hang. Yeah, I think that's totally Plus, fair. Yeah. Plus, I do re- the game almost as hard as subterranean as an animism. Mm-hmm. You might get and also it. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. 
I was waiting for you, Polly. Like, I, I think I interrupted you. So. I had nothing to say. You interrupted. <laughs> okay. Whatever. I was just gonna say that the I really think I really like the atmosphere of it. Like, it's kind of playful and its own thing. Um, where especially the stage four theme, like coming off of Subterranean Animism, which has this extremely grandiose, like dramatic stage four, mm-hmm. and then this one has this like you come in and it's this plinky little song that builds up into this actually really cool melody, and then the boss is the cute sailor. Yes. She's awesome. Yeah. I, I love a lot of the characters in UFO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I really like them too. So, I, there's a, and especially how the first, like, three levels are chasing down the ship, like, that's a really cool progression. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like a lot of it. And it, and so the yeah. fucking stage three boss, I'd, like, forgotten about that. Oh, I'm like, oh, right! Unzan! Unzan like, is the shit. Insane stage three boss. Yeah, and that's the stage three boss. Koga says Koga says a great design also. Ah. Right actually animates. Yes. Yeah. That was such a weird moment when I first played the game. It's like, well, everyone rags on the character profile art, but her animation's really good. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and you can you know, a lot all the character characters now are animated, but you basically never see them behind. You can't see them bullets. behind the curtain of bullets. Yeah. So swinging that swinging umbrella. the umbrella around, it looks good. Uh, Marasa kind of like the ladle, like literally yeah. just sweeping bullets from it. Like it looks really yeah. cool, and I think that those effects get like really. Uh, th- those effects look even more impressive, I think, in double spoiler. Cool. Good thought. Yeah, I want to check those out at some point because I all right at this point I've once you see. Scarlet Devil, Perfect Jerry Blossom, Embarrassable Night, and Mountain of Faith. Mm. So now I've just got SA. Which SA I did beat on its own without doing the one credit clear, and I don't know how. I think I just. Yeah, restarts start getting real difficult after yeah. Mountain of Faith. I think I just try. I think I just fought with Soho for like three hours. Like, that's, yeah. all, that's how I did it. So, But those whereas, games, when you continue, you just start the stage over. So yeah. continuing NSA is a nightmare because yeah, good luck with three lives. Yep. So that was that was my experience there. But and then I did not going to bother doing that with UFO. I just want to one credit clear it. But I think that's going to have to wait until the next Toho binge because <laughs> this one's really hard. Yeah. That's okay. It's merciless. Anything else? I have to tell anything else, Brett? I guess you were just uh, asking well, me about you Toho. were the one up to Toho. Yeah, you were the one I... up to Toho. We were just kind of like lingering on you for a bit more. I think that's really we were milking the we were milking the milking. John cow for everything we could get, and I did beat um, Moko, which was my first uh, Moku. Moko, um, who's my Moko? Yeah, who's my first um, extra stage boss? So that was cool. She's incredible. Have yep. Have no idea how to how I would beat one of those without having to spell practice. Like that just Dude. feels wild Played to me. You play 20 minutes, you get to a new card, and you yeah, die a bunch. That's... And then you think, How do I do that? How do I do that? And then you grind <laughs> for like an hour and then get about as far and then die again. All right, cool. Or oh, you watch some YouTube videos to kind of prepare yourself. I mean, that is what I. I, I did that even with Moko, with her, where I had a couple of moves. So I was like, I have no idea of how to get past this, which, yeah. which is maybe lame because like, the puzzle of it is part of the fun, but. I was just. I like, mean, yeah, that's kind of how I did it too. Moku is especially like, oh, you just have to move a certain way with some of these like spells that just blow up the corner of the screen you're on. 
Yeah. yeah. That's the stupid sweeping laser. <laughs> yeah, the sweeping laser was the only like, oh, that's just dumb. It's shit. really dumb. Yeah. But Moco also has the best Twitter. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Those fucking images are the greatest thing. They give me life. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. All right, so I guess now we'll move on to you, Rhett. Okay, so last time I mentioned Yakuza 0, and I mentioned how when I beat that game, I just wanted more. Yeah, and of I course. basically couldn't think about playing any other games for like two weeks. This is basically the same feeling I had after The Witcher 3, where like I just wasn't over it. And then in, in The Witcher 3's case, I just ended up playing the expansions. Mm-hmm. So for Yakuza, I got Yakuza Kiwami, which is the remake of the first game. Yeah. Conveniently released right after Yakuza Zero, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it uses the same engine and all, so it feels very good to play 60 FPS. You know, the same battle system and all, except it's the first game now, and the story continues on kind of because you know there's so Yakuza Zero takes place in like 88, 1988, mm-hmm. and then Kiwami starts in 95, but then immediately jumps forward another 10 years. Oh. So it's like, oh, it's 2005 now. There has been a jump here. Yeah, that's... You know, it's kind of wild going into, like, the arcades, and it's like, oh, like, there's Sonic the Hedgehog art here. But it's like, it's modern Sonic already, and like, oh, there's Cream the Rabbit. Oh, like, no. My entire childhood, basically. Like, oh, we skipped from, like, playing OutRun to, like, you know, PS2 gen, literally. We, like, s- we skipped the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Except Sonic Adventure. Nobody likes that. Yeah. Oh, of course. Unfortunately, like, there's no actual arcade games you can play in Kiwami. I'm not sure if they were just being faithful to how Yakuza 1 was originally. Mm -hmm. It's either that or they didn't really want to allocate resources to doing things like that this time around. Or, I mean, they could have at the very least just kept the same arcade games from zero in, but because it's the exact same, like, it feels exactly the same to play. Yeah. But that's not a huge deal, because there's other stuff to do. Uh, So, there's kind of two sides to this game. There's the open world, and then there's the main story. And I really wanted more open world shit after finishing Zero, because I have this thing where once I beat an open world game, I, like, immediately lose interest. Like, any Uh unfinished side missions, any, you know, whatever, hanging around, I'm just like, no, there's no point now, because I beat the main story. Yeah. So as soon as Kiwami opened up and gave me like access to the open world, like I did like literally everything I could because now there's that drive to I've gotta build up these skill trees again. I gotta make money, you know, I gotta level my character up and get collect all these cards. So like I think Kiwami's a really good open world game in a weird way that almost Yakuza Zero wasn't. Like it felt like there's just more stuff kinda popping off in that city. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the side missions are much smaller in scope. Like, they're just things that happen on the spot, basically. Whereas some of the Zero ones, like, get a little long and, like, kind of... Involved and... Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely a much different tone in the writing in this game, where Zero, this main story is super serious, but then the side missions are all kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. And... Kiwami is much more, the whole game kind of takes itself seriously, like, which is understandable, like, they hadn't kind of developed their writing voice in the first game quite yet. Yeah. And they were taking actual input from actual Yakuza yeah. members, so you, you kind of want to yeah. play. Plus it was like, 
the era when GTA was, you know, fucking huge, and they were probably like looking at that for inspiration. I would, would imagine as well. Mm-hmm. So, like overall, the game is much more serious. What's weird about Kiwami is that they've added a bunch of stuff, new stuff in, and like all of it is super goofy. Oh, so there is this weird mood whiplash at a lot of the time because there's some side quests that are like direct continuations from stuff that happened in Zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's super obvious it's a continuation because like those characters didn't exist in the original script. So it's like, well, now that they've introduced in Zero, you can you know have them be 17 years older now so like there's these little kids you know in zero and then when you meet them in kiwami oh they're like 27 now weird (laughs) they're adults so you can follow like that those little side stories and stuff but then it's all super goofy so kind of like when you have like maybe like a, a serious game like tales of berseria and then, like, oh, oh, and by the way, here's, like, a bunch of costumes to turn your entire crew into a mariachi band, and they'll go into cutscenes like that, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, are... I, I always just hate goofy shit like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're the one choosing to do that, though, like, whatever. Yeah, I get that, but it's just weird. I don't know. I don't like the weird yeah. tonal shift that gives things like that. It's not... It's weird in this game. The, so the weirdest part by far is that in Yakuza 0, you play as two characters, Kiryu and Majima. So Majima was in the original Yakuza as a boss in like two spots, and mm. that's it. So because he's so popular now, they want to add him into the game as a more prominent character. So they came up with a system called Majima Everywhere. Oh. Where... He can attack you, like, on the street at any time. Like, <laughs> but it's so strange the way they handle it. So it's like, he can jump into a fight and just, like, become another enemy you're fighting. Or, like, there's these goofy things where, like, he'll send you a text message like, I'm hiding, come find me! And then the, you'll find, like, a gigantic traffic cone. And then when you walk up to it, he pops out. And oh my like, God. okay. And again... Everything else in the game is relatively serious, except this stuff. Like, he'll pop out of cars. It's like, he's like, he went bowling with me at one point. Like, and then I'm sure you can, like, take him on uh, karaoke and stuff. I never, I didn't quite finish all of it. Mm -hmm. So it's super weird that, like, you have this, like, kind of frenemy relationship with him where he's, like, trying to make you stronger by beating the shit out of him basically and it's also super weird that they like completely triple down on the fact that it's weird that they never actually met in zero oh so they just kind of acknowledge it and roll with that as a joke no they don't oh so in the start in the 95 section at this very start of the game like he's in a cutscene there and they just already know each other by this point they never acknowledge the fact that all this shit in Zaka Zero happened, and they just happened to never meet in that game. I don't know why they did it. So then... Uh, uh, it's, it's like, if it's a fucking remake, just take the dive and change... Oh, it's so <laughs> weird. They should have just had one cool moment where they teamed up in Yakuza Zero and then moved on from there. So, like, the fact that not only does... 
Kiwami add him in in a bunch of places. Like they triple down on it, him being like this frenemy. Like, oh, he fights you all the time, but he's he's doing it for good reasons to make you stronger. Like, you know, like they just make it even more awkward than it would have been. Yeah, this is definitely. Yeah, that that would kind of pull me out of it a bit. Mm -hmm. But I really enjoyed that stuff, so it didn't bother me too much. What's super weird, though, is when it gets to the points where Majima appears as a boss in the regular main story. Oh. He kind of is a different character in that stuff as well, where all of a sudden he's a lot more threatening and like, oh, I'm going to fucking cut you, like, gangster, you know, don't fuck with this guy. Wow. That's... It's so strange. Like, oh, God. It's such... Like, decisions like that fucking wreck my mind. Okay, you want to know this is the best one, though? So the first time you fight him as a boss in the story, I think he gets stabbed in the stomach at the end and, you know, has to be obviously rushed to the fucking hospital. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the second time you fight him in the story, he's got bandages, bandages on his stomach. Which in the original game made total sense because those were the only times you saw him between those events. Mm-hmm. So, but in Kiwami, since you're fighting him a shitload between those events, they like super blatantly add in this new event where he calls you and you get in a cab and then the cab takes you to the like the docks and you have another battle with him and then he gets shot in the stomach and like falls <laughs> in the water. <laughs> He gets shot in the stomach, and Kiryu basically goes, eh, not my problem, and fucking leaves. What the fuck? And it goes back to the main story, where he, he's got bandages on his stomach, and you fight him as a regular boss. It's so bizarre. That's... There's just, like, no thinking here about how to make any of this work. It sounds just like three or four people throwing shit at a wall, and it's just all going to stick together. It'll just be real smelly. I'm probably making it sound way worse than it is, but when I realized that that's what they had done, like, they had to make a new reason for him to be banished in the second fight, like, it is kind of weirdly, like... It's janky as fuck! It's really goofy, but I think because so many of the later Yakuza games are really goofy, like all the ones I've played would have stuff like this in it, so it's not that mood-breaking, but it's like in the terms of the first game, it's pretty fucking strange. Yeah, like that... So, I, I would probably hate Kiwami. Aw. I mean... Like, just knowing that kind of shit, or, or, or that they like they didn't put in the effort to just kind of like, yes, go ahead and retcon your own chronology because it's already a remake anyway. Who fucking cares? And yeah. I think, th- and I think that it gives the remake more fucking value. I get that. Yeah, I definitely get that. It's strange, like because it's so obvious, but. I still like the game. I think the thing is that I liked it more as an open world game towards the start, and then by the end, it's like the main story kind of yeah. the weaker element this time. Mm. Whereas in the other games, like that was always what was pu- pushing me through it. But the main story in this one, and obviously, it's very faithful to the original game. It's a lot of like, oh, this character has information you want, but they want you to do a favor. Yeah. So, like, there's like three sections in the game where it's just like I don't even re- kind of remember why I'm doing this favor for this guy, but okay. And like two of them are in a row, so it's like the story just kind of stops 
for long stretches of time. Ah, it, I feel that. Not even just me doing open world side stuff. It's just like, oh, I'm doing, I'm going to this bar to talk to this character to get this piece of paper or something, you know, nonsense like that. It's a much smaller scope story compared to Zero, which was like always propelling you forward and like really high stakes energy in that game. Like the story in Zero was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Is that still the one I can jump into? That would be a yeah, good. Yeah, Zero is a prequel to everything, so there's no baggage. I can whatsoever. just jump right in. Cool. Yeah, if, so I, if I'm to play that. any of these, it would be Zero. Yeah, cool. definitely. Because <laughs> I other... kind of, I'm like having a have an interest in that kind of Shenmue thing, basically. Yeah, definitely. Zero is really, really good. I was pronouncing it Shenmue hyphen Y, and I realized it didn't sound like I thought that it says. Yeah, I thought that it was pronounced Shenmue. Shenmue. I'm going to go play Street Fighter and play as Gwil. Oh. <laughs> That's Shenmue-esque. <laughs> so one one cool thing, I think, though, between Zero and Kiwami is that since Zero knew which characters would survive into Kiwami, like, it was able to give characters that didn't get a ton of time in that, like, some time in the spotlight because basically Kiwami kills a bunch of characters right at the start <laughs> <laughs> so like they were basically never characters until Zero came out and gave them like oh but here's what they were like 17 years ago you know <laughs> All right. like almost everybody that survives Zero doesn't survive Kiwami it's kind of nuts it's like oh okay that's I guess weird don't don't have because I think in general the stories of the games are super self-contained. Oh yeah, uh-huh. like so zero to Kiwami probably has the most through-line characters, but then not afterwards. <laughs> That's yeah. It's kind of funny seeing what a, a that, like, fucking weird a, series, man. But it's cool though because like it was. I think what's cool about it is that not knowing that. And just playing Zero first. Yeah, and then, like, obviously. These characters, it had way more weight when people started getting offed in the sec- in Kiwami. I'm just like, holy shit, this was like a major character in Zero, and they fucking offed him before he even had a line of dialogue in Kiwami. Like, I never saw that coming. Yeah, like, that's... Like, like if you don't know the series, like, yeah. shit like that is really cool. Yeah, that was... A lot of shocking reveals and stuff happened in Kiwami that had more weight because of Zero. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, like, oh, yeah, the bosses in Kiwami are kind of garbage. I've heard like, they are exceptionally ass. I do believe it was quoted on my Twitter as... Was that from me? <laughs> no, not from you. It was from somebody else oh, really? playing it. I, and I just got them as well. Yeah, I, I saw it. Exceptionally ass. Yeah, it's only a couple, but there's two bosses, one of them being the second-to-last boss that have guns. Man! You remember when they put guns in Sleeping Dogs and it got way worse because of it? Well, so here's the thing about guns in Yakuza, is that it's still a brawler, but when an enemy hits you with the gun, it's like a two-second knockdown. Mm. And, like, there's nothing you can do to avoid... I mean, you could not get hit, but... There's this one boss who fucking basically is like devil like maybe a devil may cry parody or like you know gun foos kind of style all he does is circle strafe you and dive roll and he'll shoot during his dive oh good and it's, just, it's fucking nightmarish it's, it's like the, one of the worst bosses i've ever fought yeah and then the last boss 
or second to last boss has a gun and two bodyguards that also have guns oh no it's just it's just mashing out like standing up getting a punch getting shot by any one of them and falling down for two seconds getting up getting a punch in and then getting shot and it's just you know, you're just like, mm, I brought 16 he- full healing potions. Hope this is enough. This is like, again, it's like, this is a remake. Y'all had a chance to fix some shit. Um, yeah. How do you play that and not know that that's kind of assy? Definitely felt like being too faithful to the original, yeah. for sure. Because yeah. when I Googled, like, wow, this boss sucks, like, boss sucks name and stuff. Yeah, because uh, I was getting posts on, like, game FAQs about the PS2 version. Yeah. <laughs> That's always kind of funny. It's like, mm, yep, you didn't fix it in 11 years. Didn't fix a fucking thing. Oh, so I almost fucking screamed at one point, though. <laughs> Second to last boss. So it's two bodyguards in the boss that all have guns. I take out one bodyguard, it gets a lot easier. Because now there's only two dudes shooting at you. Right, right. Take out the second bodyguard. Okay, I can fucking deal with this now. I get the final boss down to half health. You know what they fucking do? Spawn bodyguards. Bodyguards, get back up! That's <laughs> 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 so not so bad, but I was just like, are they timed to do that? Or do they just, you know... Or is it like a hit point it? threshold? Luckily, it's a hit point threshold, as far as I can tell. <laughs> so I knocked him out a second time, which was still a pain in the ass because they have swords. But I was just like, oh, my God, you guys made this fight as bad as you possibly could. <laughs> I made a Mario level and it's all Hammer Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final boss is actually good. really good. Yeah, but it's more. like after the story is over in a weird way. Ah, The second to final boss is kind of the true mastermind. And they just kind of show up an hour from the end of the game like it was me all along <laughs> it was me austin <laughs> yeah and then the actual final boss is the character you care about but they're less related to the story in a weird way but it's it sounds like this game like rides some kind of it, weird like fan service kind of thing but it's still like maybe for people who are just getting into the series but not really I felt, thought you were going to say it kind of rides on the coattails of Zero. Well, I mean, that much is obvious because it's the same yeah. engine, but... Yeah. Yeah, this kind of just sounds like... I don't know, probably still better than the PS2 version because oh. that those games are yeah. pretty clunky. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, as far as... Except for a few bosses that I'm sure are not better no. worse than the PS2 ones, it still plays beautifully. Like, it's super fun and, you know all the action from Zero in a new game. Yeah. And I think, like, one of the things they added into Zero in this one are style switching. So, like, you have your speedy, quick-punch style and then your big, heavy, slow-brawler style. Mm-hmm. But in Zero, like, I always used the slow-strong one because it was just so effective. And in this one, I think they made enemies a little more mobile, so you can't get away with that as much. So I was using the style system far more often in this one. Can't like, swing around that Claymore anymore. Yeah. Can't swing around that giant Zweihander. Yeah, enemies are a little wise to that this time, which was good because, you know, it makes you mix things up. And it's like, oh, I'm going to use the style on this boss and then build the heat gauge up, then switch to the slow one and just fucking do a heat action where you slam your face into the, their face into the wall and, like, curb stomp them, basically. Like, the heat actions in these games always make they're me They're always ridiculous, and they're very painful. Yeah. 
Yeah, Jetstorm brings up, uh, what's it, it sounds like I may want to try the PS2 version first, maybe? I mean, it sounds to me like maybe just try it, but actually play through Kiwami. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't really see the point of just playing the, you know, seemingly objectively uh, inferior version. I would go with Zero for sure, personally, before playing this one, either version. Yeah. But I can't imagine jumping back to those PS2 games because, like, Yakuza 4 on the PS3 was already, like, mm, this is, like, j- just not clunky enough that it's unplayable, but it was real close. Yeah. Gotcha. Like, I remember Yakuza 4 having, like, loading screens when you got into random battles on the street, and then 5 got rid of that, and it's like, oh, thank you. Uh, and thank you, Tengu Gemini, for the sub. Cool. Aww. So that's pretty much what I've been up to. I finished that and just like, mm, I don't feel like playing video games anymore because I'm still thinking about Yakuza. Lord, like nothing else at all. Like you've got zero escape now. I put that in last night and thought about it and then I watched some more anime instead. Oh, you watched some anime. Do you, do you want to talk about some of your uh, Japanese cartoons or do you feel like maybe starting five at once you haven't had a chance to really digest any of them yet? I really literally did start five at once. I can't remember the fifth one. I watched a couple episodes of New Game, which is a show about cute girls making video games. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's been fun- funniest thing to me is that like they're like, okay, read this book. And it's like, Autodesk Maya or something. Like, I think it's an actual real program. Yeah, she's learning 3D modeling. And I thought I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's pretty cute. And then I watched a couple episodes of Euro Camp, which is laid back camping. It's a girl show about cute girls going camping. So that's that's the entire that's, show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's cute and chill. And so that's all they good. make anymore. They don't actually yeah. make anime with substance. It's just hey, do you. Cute girls doing X activity. Yeah. Or cute girls under hot skeleton dad <laughs> lovers. Or okay, I guess you mentioned that. I watched a bit of The Ancient Magus Bride, which is cute girl gets sold off at an auction to be this dude's slave. <laughs> That's then, dark. Who's yeah. really nice and hot. And he ends up being really nice and is like, oh, no, you're going to be my mage apprentice. And you're like, ah. Oh. And then he's like, at the end of episode one, he's like, also, you're my bride. And it's like, oh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> huh. God. This sounds yeah, I mean, real skeevy. I mean, yeah, that's the point. I mean, they, they understand that was the vibe that I got. Like, it's a weird fairy tale thing. Like, it's not yeah. just... It's not. It, it didn't feel exploitative. It felt intentional. It's not as gross as it seems. Is basically what I can say. It's just when yeah, you know. It's just that when we we're starting the podcast, I come back and the first thing I hear is girls sold off into slavery, and there and you know, it's like, oh, this sounds like a real happy show. Sounds real wholesome. It could actually end up being really wholesome and sweet and good. Like I. Legitimately thought this would be classified as shoujo. I found the love of my life by being sold off at an auction. Okay, what about like cool brooding fifteen foot tall skeleton bro takes fifteen year old girl into the world of magic and fairy? Like, <laughs> so you're saying he'd give her a bone? B- bone. 
bone. Do you, do you get? I said bone. I mean, as in like boning, as in a metaphor for sex. Bone. It's it's sort of like if Mushishi had a lot of John Horny mixed in. Was kind of my vibe. <laughs> I so far would not classify it as particularly horny, but I. Can't. Oh, 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 I was wondering about that. <laughs> I really. That was all. That was, that was the only context I heard about it, and leading up to its, the show releasing was very everyone, horny. Everyone being horny for the skeleton dad. Oh, see exactly. Yeah. I'm not horny. But see, that's people projecting their own horniness onto a thing that may be not inherently horny. Because that's something you find that happens on Twitter a lot, is that people get way horny over a thing that's not really horny, and then it gets really, really irritating. I will say, it is called, the show is called The Ancient Magus' Bride. Like, there is some text there's, there. there's some I, tension there look if all. i'm marrying somebody i'm gonna fuck them okay <laughs> yeah she's 15 they she knows what she signed up for i so, mean <laughs> <laughs> i kind of feel like we crossed the line no nah, it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so what's weird about this show is that there's a three episode ova that kind of takes place before the main story but that John didn't watch because it was really separately Mm -hmm. and I think that gives a lot of insight to this girl's character and why she's kind of so messed up that she ended up deciding like I have nothing to live for I'm going to sell myself off does the show does the OVA end with her selling herself off or or is this like a complete retelling it's basically anime original content like it wasn't actually part of the original manga story, but it, it was bu- it was bundled with the manga volumes. So we oh. kind of time skipped at like five years to okay, episode I think one. That makes sense. Yeah. Thanks to the internet, Chelsea. Yeah, skeleton dad. She can't stop thinking about that stupid overused font. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's good. <laughs> She's never gonna play it. She's never uh, gonna play it. I, I get it. Play. Chelsea, play Undertale. God. There's another three years. There's another three years. Nice job, Brett. God, I really need uh, to watch more. Is Ancient Magus Ride finished? In mm. like two weeks. Yeah, I was about to say ah, that one's still going. Because that, that, uh, that, really, that story really instantly connected with me in a lot it, of ways. It's a show that makes magic kind of feel fantastical again. Which yeah. Made, yeah. Like, something about it is just very wholesome and pure, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you say it's surrounding the weird... <laughs> like, episode three, she goes to an island, and there's dragons, and they're all really nice and cool, and then stuff happens, and you cry a bunch at the end. Yeah. And you realize, hey, she sold herself off into slavery, and she's somebody's bride against her will. If you want... She's 15, yeah. by the way. Yeah her life was before that you'd be like oh this is such an improvement for her <laughs> I hadn't read but, I don't know but I, I think the point is that it's a fairy tale and fairy tales like have those kind of weird okay John, remember I haven't actually read this you know Saya no Utar uh, yes I do 
it's the whole thing where like she sees the world as nightmare or something or is that a different character no that's no i mean that's the main character yeah the mc the sire herself is the nightmare uh, yeah hence why he sees her as normal <laughs> there's something similar going on in magus bride basically where she say sees nightmarish demons everywhere basically and that's why she's so fucking sad yeah oof alright I should I should probably check that out I, it's almost like I don't I don't even really feel like I need to because I felt like the intro communicated a mm. lot with very little so I don't know I might go back I might watch the OVA, OVA after finishing the show or maybe, maybe just start from the OVA and watch through from the beginning I don't know I thought it worked pretty well as a prequel basically it's a little weird when it like kind of ends on a positive note and then smash cut to her as 15 year old like with yeah. the skin around her neck going to the auction yeah. <laughs> like there's uh, I hope the show can get all that nice this weirdness that it starts with yeah I mean that's I mean that's part of the appeal for me is that it starts is that it has this because it doesn't feel it feels intentional and it it only is good if they handle it delicately and well. Yeah, yeah this can't be end. handled the way that we were joking about the way it would be handled. Yeah. yeah. If they if it if they fucked it up then that then it would suck, but like it's like to, that, you know, Watamote, if you know, that show had gone a completely different direction, it would have been totally fucked up and irredeemable. Yeah. yeah. So far, six episodes in, I think they're doing a good job handling it. Mm-hmm. And that was my vibe too. I, it, it skipped out Anna. Like Anna watched the first episode, and was like, "No, nah, I'm not here for this." So, <laughs> but yeah, it's. I I was really interested in the tension there, and then also that it was that really cool earthsy magical fairy world that yeah really resonated with me. Cool. So cool. that's what I've been up to. What else have you been up to? Is that it? Yeah. That's all you've been doing? All right. Well, I only did one thing. Actually, no, I can talk about a couple things, actually. Hell yeah. Because the, the, la- the, the last time we got uh, together, I actually didn't mention another game that I had played through recently, and that was Cyber Dimension Neptunia Four Goddesses Online. Oh, be a happy episode, huh? Look at me, a happy episode. All the games that I love. Um, yeah. So, Cyber Dimension Neptunia Four Goddesses Online is kind of like another side entry in the Neptunia series developed by Tamsoft who are known for making booby games that have poopy gameplay. Uh-huh. So I did not actually know that this was a Tamsoft one. Yeah, it's it's by Tamsoft. For some reason I thought this was the main compile heart team mm-hmm. doing it. No, they they contributed the uh, the new character designs and things like that. Yeah. And the artwork in this game is fucking amazing. Phenomenal. Like the promotional artwork, the art stills in games for cut in game for cutscenes, the model work is incredible. Like the characters look better than they ever have. <clears throat> they look very soft and and squishy. <laughs> and you wanna uh-huh. I would play this game in VR. Oh, <laughs> Like, hey, look, the models look really good. Okay. Polly is going to spend like $300 on a PlayStation VR mm-hmm. just for like the 15 minutes of Neptunia VIIR. Man, I was talking about this in the Discord yesterday. I was just like... Rest your head on Big Nep's lap. It's like, I'm I'm totally going to end up buying that fucking game. VIIR. I'm totally... You don't need VR to play it. 
but like you besides that stuff, being in it's, the VR. it's just a remake of Megadeth. It's a bad remake too. Like the battle system looks bad. The crafting uh, equipment system looks terrible. Like like they slowed everything down a lot. Really? It oh, looks geez. real bad. I can't wait to tell everybody how bad it is because I'm a sucker and I'm gonna buy it anyway. This is sixty dollars. This is It'll only be fifty. It'll only be fifty. And then three hundred for the VR headset. <laughs> I'll borrow someone's VR headset. And then you drop it, and then you, and then the next day, aggressively on Twitter, and then the next day you play through the rest of it. Yes, that's exactly what will happen. Um, so. Cybernep is uh, one. If you got a normal PS4, maybe you want to reconsider because I played this first uh, because I got this game for Christmas and I played it first on a regular ass PS4 and it was pretty chunky. Like it would chunk uh-huh. up pretty bad, even in 2D cutscenes where it's just static images. Like it was kind of chunky. Um, and the frame rate in game was noticeably pretty bad uh, and real chunky. Um, and the game does a full install. Oh, that's another thing. Like when you boot this game up every time, there's a three minute load time. <laughs> that's insane. It is insane, but there are no loads after that. Huh. So, so that's... if you if you want to dump a bunch of time or you want to like <laughs> just boot your system up and then put it into rest mode anytime, you ain't ever got to look at a load screen again, dog. Rest mode is like my favorite thing ever. Basically, it's the now. best. It's the best. I think I went to the title screen on Yakuza Kiwami once. Like I just played the entire game on a single session. Excellent. Right. Right. So, uh, uh, due to some like luck over the last few weeks, I ended up getting a PS4 Pro, and I went back to playing uh, Cyber Dimension Neptunia because oh, I draw. That's I, what- I don't think I knew you got a pro, so that's why you went back to it. Yeah, I traded. Uh, I traded my uh, PS4 and for a normal PS4 Pro. Huh. So. So you think it's really just unplayable on a base one, then? For me, it was. It was really herky jerky. Like Chelsea seems to think that maybe I just had a weird memory buffering issue or something, but I, I don't know. Like I, I don't have another. You know, I didn't have another PS4 to test it on, honestly. Um. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, it's kind of like if you've played Neptunia Action Unleashed or Blonde versus Zombies and stuff. If you've <laughs> played those, I was kind of hoping it wouldn't be, but it very much is kind of just that again. Uh, and the really? com the combat just kind of feels very similar. No impact to anything. It's just. Like, for me, like, when I swing a weapon at something, I need there to be sound effects or some, like, light hit stun that kind of makes something feel like it's connecting. And, like, that's been my problem since Action Unleashed, is that when I hit people with these very big things that these goddesses use to hit things with... I want some impact, and there just isn't any. It's just you kind of feel like you're swinging at air. It's the problem that I have with Shantae Half-Genie Hero in that Mm -hmm. nothing feels like it's making an impact. Like, you're just hitting enemies, but you're not interrupting anything. It's just they keep doing what they're doing, and you're doing what you're doing, and whoever falls first loses. Yeah, it's that Alucard sword. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 this is ba- like 
like as much as I want to give big ups to Idea Factory for you know putting out a superb looking game with amazing artwork, a great premise. Uh, it's still a funny story. I think they dropped the ball on a lot of really funny jokes, and I think I could have written it funnier than they did. Um, but uh, I mean, to give you an idea, there's this one. There's there's one cut scene. <clears throat> with Neptune, Pishi, and Pishi is at this well that's supposed to grant you wish if you uh, you throw in your most valuable thing, right? And throughout the course of the game, Pishi is just throwing random things in, and at the end, she just throws in, like, some dumb coin or something she found, and blah, your wish is granted. This scene is infinitely funnier if she just throws Neptune in the fucking well. Yep. (laughs) They don't go for that joke! And it's just like... That's what I was waiting for that whole time. They even have they even have a CG earlier in the game of Neptune being soaked in that same well. Weird. And it's just like, how do you miss that what it's because it serves two purposes. One, it's funny. Two, it's fucking cute. Yes. It's adorable that she would throw Neptune in. Oh, yes, and I.F. Yeah, uh, and Kampa are hella gay in this game. That's oh. They are fucking hella gay for each other. Like, holy shit. Oh. I.F. and Kampa? Yeah. Like, okay. they're... I misheard you. But, I well, mean... No, it's just you were talking over Polly, so I didn't hear. But, oh, um... Oh, I know which characters are gay. Yeah. Uni and Nepgear. Absolutely gay. They are totally gay. They talk to each other in coded language. This is how gay they are. So they don't want anybody else knowing what they say. Like, they're, they're straight up hella gay in it up. Um, but, I mean, it's just kind of like that same kind of combat that I wasn't a fan of in Neptune Action Unleashed. And, like, it was just kind of like a boring, grinding slog to get through, unfortunately. What about playing as Uni? Is she better? Uni is fun, but it still kind of has that very similar... And there's only, like, nine enemy types in the game that keep getting recolored. Uh, yeah, it's, it's... Like, if, there, if, if ever there was a definition of a 5 out of 10 game, this is totally cool. it. Like, it's, yeah. play, it's totally playable. It's totally fine. It's serviceable and passable. And if you, like, you're into Neptunia, you might like it a little more. You might want to, you might push it to a six or a seven if you really like it. But, like, I, I love Neptunia, and I still just, like, I, I won't go back to this. Like, this is, like, I experienced it once, and I've, I've, I will just look at the pretty art. <laughs> Somebody I already like somebody already extracted right the models and source filmmaker. Oh, yeah. We're good to go. I feel like every single spinoff right now is straddling that like <clears throat> it's a five out of ten, like the most basic average game they could make. Yeah. But if you're a fan, you'll like it a little bit more. Like they're just not going the extra mile with any of them at all. No, there is big news in Neptunia land, however, and it's that there is a new Neptune game that has been officially announced as of yesterday that is being worked on by a Western developer. It's 2D animated. It's 2D animated. And uh, all we know right now is that it is, quote unquote, the first 2D entry in the Neptunia franchise, and it's going to be for PS4 uh, and PC. 
It's all it's, we know right now. Wait, I think they actually said Switch. Like, and Switch, that's PS4, right. It's the big four, you know, PC, yeah. PS4, Switch, Xbox One. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, like, uh, I've never heard of the company that is behind it. Mm. I can't find anything about them other than them saying that they yeah. love RPGs and that they make quality RPGs, but I can't find a single fucking title they've worked on. I, I think the company itself is new, but the people have worked on something else. I saw something, like, mobile game they'd done. Okay. Like, I think the artwork does kind of have that very, like, super highly polished, but then kind of tweened around yeah. look to it, like a mobile game, but yeah. uh, could be nice it looking. It definitely could be cool. Yeah, and I like the idea, like, and the fact that they're you know approaching a Western developer for you know help yeah, on a new yeah, is really like, that's really cool, and I think that that definitely shows that there is like a significant foothold in the West for this series. Yeah, so I that's good. What kind of game it is? We don't seem to even know yet. Like, yeah. if it's going to be like a two D brawler, or, I saw some people saying, "Oh, it looks like a Metroidvania," and I'm like, oh, uh, "No, I don't think that." I, I think it's probably going to be something like, um, well, there's that one game that I don't know the name of that got a remake last year that I don't remember. Fuck! <laughs> Odin Sphere. Odin Sphere. All right. Oh, it's gonna. I, that's what I think it's gonna be. It's gonna be these kind of like round arenas, and you progress story as you compete through those little arenas, and then this, you know, so long as they like zhuzh it up with some Neptune, you know, some Neptunia goodness. Like I think that could work. As long as they make it a five out of ten, you will eat up anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So long as it's a game that knows when to call it quits uh, and that it's ru- and that it's run its course, um, I'll be okay with it probably. Yeah. As long as I'm not having to grind for fifteen, I don't know, fifteen hours. I bet you could grind a lot in CyberNap, actually. You, you absolutely can. If you want, how high level did you get it? I got I got uh, my highest level characters are like ninety, but I left some of them flagging at around level forty because I didn't want to use them. <laughs> Yeah, and nobody course. and nobody gets experience if they're not in the party. Uh, I hate that. It's so awful. I fucking hate that. <laughs> and I, you're in the middle of a really excellent Segui there. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was working on a Segui there, and you just you came in, ripped your pants down, bent the biggest curliest turd you could right on top of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were gonna go for the for the dick joke. No. No. Doesn't deserve a dick joke this time. Doesn't deserve a dick joke. Punished. Sorry. That's your punishment. But, um... <clears throat> What's the... What, what What? were you segooing to? I was segooing... Okay, I was, um... So I did play uh, another game. Uh, I played through it this week, actually. I played through a new game by Humble Hearts, which you may know as Dean Dodrell, who you may know as having created the very fantastic... Dust and Elysian Tail. I just bought that on my phone right before you brought this game up. You you huh. brought this game up on Twitter. So Dust and Elysian Tail is on mobile. Yep, it looks good. It, it looked like it played pretty well too. I can I see that playing pretty well because the combo system in Dust is pretty easy to, to hammer out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, and I'm pretty. I can handle the controller, the on-screen controller things. Like I played the Sonic ones, so I figure that it's probably a good fit. <laughs> Yeah. Plus, otherwise, I won't actually play it. So, <laughs> well, well, there you go. <laughs> but um, 
uh, new game just released. Uh, it's been out for a couple of months for the Switch, um, but it's uh, called Never Stop Sneakin', and it is a kind of an homage to things like Metal Gear Solid 1, where it's definitely got these big, chunky PS1 graphics uh, for its cutscenes, where and like the characters' mouths don't move, their heads just kind of bobble back and forth when they talk. Um, and it's I got... Mean- Never stop sneaking. Yes, it has amazing presentation in the video and the audio. It's just like it's got this crazy story about all all of the U.S. presidents have been captured uh, <laughs> using a time machine. And if the and if the and if the antagonist demands are not met, he's just going to start shooting them into space because because why not? And it's a very silly concept that when I saw that trailer, I was 255% behind because it's absolutely fucking silly, and that's my jam. So uh, it is a, a you know, true to what it's you know copying. It's a top-down stealth action game that you only play with a, with the analog stick. Like no face buttons are used on this game at all, other than navigating menus. Um, so everything is very context-based where, you know, you walk up to a computer, you stop in front of it, you'll hack it. If you walk into an enemy's vision cone, if you got a bullet, you'll shoot the enemy. If you walk into three enemies' vision cones, you'll shoot three of them at once. And it's, it's, it's a very cool uh, setup, so long as you have bullets, of course. So it's like they, you know, they're kind of an expendable resource that, you, you know, and then, like, once you get seen and aren't able to defend yourself, then that guard becomes alerted to your presence and starts shooting you, and you start losing health, and yada yada, and you eventually die. Um, <clears throat> so, it kind of like presents to you this very simple sneaking formula. You've got three types of enemies. you got guards, you got turrets, and you got cameras, and that's it. Like, here's a very simple tool set. Let's go. And then Never Stop Sneaking says, now let's do that for 15 hours without any meaningful evolution of the process whatsoever. When it said never stop, it meant never stop. Yeah, it quite literally means to never stop sneaking because the, the, what you're doing in the very first 30 minutes of playing Never Stop Sneakin' is what you're going to be doing in the very last 30 minutes that you play of Never Stop Sneaking because it just never evolves beyond, um, you know, you get chunks of worlds of three levels and then, you know, you go one, 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 two, one, three, two, one, two, two, and you, you gradually unlock these very slowly. Over the course of the game's runtime, I say, you know, you get about, like, every three hours, it sounds, you know, it averages out to, you get another set of levels, which, it's all procedurally generated, so they're not really constructed levels or anything, it's just, uh, and there aren't a lot of prefab pieces that these levels are constructed out of, so you kind of learn them very quickly, um... So what is different in each set? Do you get different bosses at least? No, everything's just randomly generated. <laughs> what? So like there is the nothing level? unique about anything other than that it's different wallpaper. What? 
because like, like in Binding of Isaac, obviously there's different bases in the basement that there are in the depths, or, or there are in you know the womb. Yeah. So this just has the same bosses can show up on any floor. Yeah, it's just and you can get to a, yeah, yeah, and like the bosses, like like they make a big deal out of all the bosses in the trailer, but you know like the the, the vice president helicopter. Who is a helicopter? Which is great! And you think, man, I can't wait to play this game where they have all sorts of really funny story beats where I get to meet fucking Vice President Helicopter. It's just, no, you go and there's a helicopter and it's it's named Vice President Helicopter. All right. And, like, uh, 80% of the bosses are literally just East-style run-up to them when their vision cone isn't on you and you hit them. And a couple of them are context-based, where, like, with the helicopter, like, randomly at some point throughout the battle, like, a bazooka will drop in and you run over, grab the bazooka, stand still, and you'll shoot the bazooka. And... Yeah, that's kind of the extent of the gameplay. So you do all of this, you do these sneaking missions, and it's kind of like Rogue Legacy, where every time you sneak into enemy territory, it's just considered a different run. And during each run, you can unlock new perks, which you'll find randomly throughout the base. Think of them as just kind of like end-of-the-level perks that you get, but you don't get them at the end of the level. You just find them at the end of the level. So it's kind of like Downwell, where... Every, yeah. every run is different. You're going to get different perks every time. And <clears throat> all of this feeds back into a currency known as ESP, which stands for espionage. And you use that to expand a base for some reason, because you need somewhere to put points, I guess. Um, make the numbers get bigger, Polly. Yeah, that's, that's what video games it, are. It's not even make the numbers get bigger, though. It's make just the base get bigger make the base the <laughs> make the base that does nothing functionally at all for you get bigger. The yes. the, the, the base is just like it is a thing that's there to serve as your gate of progress. And it's just like you don't have enough ESP to unlock this next thing that's not going to do anything for you when you get it, but it's a point of progress, so you have to do it anyway. And it's a game you kind of just spend a lot of time grinding your face against the same stages. And they're... Again, I kind of want to emphasize, besides the bosses, there's three enemy types. Yeah. There's the guards, the turrets, and the cameras. Guards walk around, and the only difference is on higher levels, they, they move faster, so their patrol routes just seem longer. Uh, cameras, they sweep back and forth, and they just move faster. Turrets just spin around at intervals, clockwise or counterclockwise, and they'll just go faster. And that's... My game, does my game have more enemy types? Does Kikai have more enemy types? I believe... I think Kikai is four, so yeah. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, but Kikai is a 15-minute video game. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I, I just realized I, sh- I was going about that completely the wrong way. Never Stop Sneakin' is a 15-hour video game that never changes at all. And, of course, like I mentioned before, it's got this great story that unfolds. Like, you get maybe one cut scene every hour, hour and a half that you're grinding out all of these things that do nothing for you. So that's- 
that's what the base is unlocking, right? Basically, is more story progression. Basically, yeah. That's kind of all it is. And there's a lot of base to unlock if you saw that's my video. Your video in that base scrolls for a while. Yeah, there's a lot of things to unlock. I think that there are... F there are, at the very least, 50 uh, things to unlock for your base that, again, do nothing for you at all. all. Some of them add different, like, things that you can randomly find while you're out sneaking, but, again, that's not very rewarding. And then there are 30 character skins and 27 weapon skins. Um, these do nothing for you to change the gameplay at all. They are all merely cosmetic. So, Remember if you how in Hotline Miami every mask had a different effect. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Mix them up and be like, "Oh, this is really good on this level." Yeah, see, I thought for a while, like for like the first hour, "Oh, there will be different agents that I can unlock. This will be cool because it will put an interesting spin on the gameplay." Oh, no, wait, it doesn't at all. And for some reason, a lot of them are just the bosses. And it's like, that looks very... Can he play as the helicopter? No. There is a helicopter that you can play as, though. Okay. okay. It's not the big one, though. You can't... Yeah. Yeah, but right. you do... I, I, I can't remember if it's called Vice President Helicopter Skin or not, but you do have a helicopter skin that you can play as. Okay. So now it's all totally worth it. Yeah. So... A hot fucking spoiler alert, but I'm going to be That's real ballsy here and fucking I'm going to spoil the shit out of Never Stop Sneaking. So if you are very if you are heavily invested in this very good video game that I was very happy to play for 15 hours, if you're heavily invested in it, I'm going to ask you to turn back now and and, and just it, it, turn it off. There's nothing worth talking about the rest of the show anyway. You can turn us off. We don't care. This um, is a true spoiler because you will not find this on YouTube because no one else has ever beaten this game. Me and Devin Mack are the only two people that have beaten this game and you cannot convince me otherwise because as soon as I voiced my concerns about this video game that is 15 hours... He immediately messaged me on uh, Discord, and we talked about it for a bit, and it was enlightening to say the least. But well, I won't, like, I I won't go. I won't go over on a lot of that, though. though. I won't go over. I try to Google like, oh, never stop sneaking, ending, and there's just no results, nothing. No one's gotten anywhere. So. Jeez. Oh, and it's been on Switch for months too. I forgot that. Yeah, it's not I that the new. Steam release yeah, like this is not that new. That somebody, somebody other than me <laughs> and Devin Mack have to have completed this game, right? You'd hope so. I mean, I would hope so, just so we're not the only ones looking pathetic here. So, this very good video game that I played for 15 hours that never bothered evolving in the slightest. They, they, the whole time we're building this big base because we're going to go to space. Because that's, that's where the bad guy is at. He's in space. Thanks. So, I, I get to the space, top. Space, I get to the space, top. Space. I build the fucking, all the fucking shit that this game wanted me to build for 15 fucking hours and with no real reward at all for doing so. It's the same fucking missions over and over again. 
Never getting difficult. It never gets difficult. Never start changing. Never start changing now. So I get to the final thing and it's like, hey, build the thing to go to space and to stop and to go back in time and to stop him from kidnapping all the presidents. Get up there. I'm going to build that motherfucker. I build that motherfucker. And it's got this big old flashy prompt. It's like, go to space. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go to space and we're going to at least have a final dungeon. We're going to get the sixth tier of levels unlocked. We're going to have one big, long sneaking mission to the end and at least fight a final boss. Click that button. Do you wish to proceed? You cannot turn back if you wish to proceed. I'm fucking ready. We're going to go. Press the button. It plays goddamn cutscene. And just as like, hey, yeah, so we went to space and did the thing. Game over. That's it. That's all. How long is this cutscene? This cutscene is literally 30 seconds long. So it's not even like a big dramatic finish. No. It's like, and they didn't we, even they didn't even try to play it off as like if the character scary. like if the character was like, "Oh boy, that sure was a crazy space adventure we had, huh?" Uh, yeah. And then throw out funny dumb lines about specific things that happened that obviously we didn't see. That would have been funny. That would have worked. It would have soothed me a little. Can't believe when Vice President Helicopter turned into a Gundam. Exactly. See, they could have gone that route, but no. It's just played. It's played fucking straight. And just cut the credits, and then there's sequel bait at the end. But fuck you, I'm not playing it. I'm not playing a Never Stop Sneaking sequel. The sequel can be called Never Stop Sneaking. <laughs> I yeah. just looked at like a Polygon article and it's just like talking at length about, oh, this is how you play it. Da, 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 yeah, Every nobody, finished it. nobody finished it. Nobody fucking finished it. Everybody played the first 20 fucking minutes and that's it. And they all rated it on that first 20 fucking minutes. God. This game reeks of a game that was developed, that was primarily and developed for the mobile market. And, and then maybe it outgrew those specs and had to be ported hastily. And then they didn't bother just pulling out all of the awful mobile game progression mechanics of having to buy your way through everything and buy the ending. It's, I, 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 I was, I was literally dumbfounded. Like... I, can you go and... That's a lot. I wish you had been recording. I wish I had been recording, that. too, because oh now the same... God, that would have been the funniest video in existence, is yeah. getting a live reaction. Yeah, like, the, the live reaction... My live reaction was literally, what the fuck? I... That, that was my tone. That was how I finished Never Stop Sneaking, uh. was I pressed the button... I got a 30-second cutscene and credits. Uh, and there's a new game plus in this game. It has what? the fucking audacity to have a new game plus and nothing changes. You just build the fucking tower again. You start over, you maintain your end-of-mission multiplier, 
and you just keep going. Nothing changes. The initial, I thought maybe the initial difficulty is it lifted it up now because we beat the game. No, it's still the same fucking boring game that it was in hour one and hour 16. Do you still, in New Game Plus, do you just start with only World 1 again? Yes. You start with World 1 again, only now you've got, like, all of your unlocked perks, and which make the game stupidly easy, and all of the skins. And you, get, the and you get the last two skins for playing two stages on New Game Plus. Weird. Like, what happened? Ugh. What happened? God, I understand so from a game development standpoint. I do too. I get it. Like, it would be insane to have a game that doesn't change after minute 30 and then have something huge awesome happen at hour 15. But at some like, point during development, you have to look at your thing and go, maybe I don't want stretch it out to hour 15. This is a game that would have been totally fine if it had been four hours long. Yeah, just do it like a cutscene after every single mission instead of every hour. You know, or it seems like, like it could have. It seems like it could have just changed the numbers, like just the amount yeah. of yeah, just resources make the to unlock the amount of resources to unlock the next cutscene and level. Like just make half those. Less than half, quarter it, because there this game can't sustain itself. There's no way, and it's just like I don't know how someone along the way didn't say. This doesn't need to be 15 hours. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't improve in any meaningful way. It doesn't evolve. And the only time it gets remotely fun is when you get to like stages four and five. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because the enemies have sped up to a degree and there's enough enemy density where you do have to make smart decisions and stuff. But then the perks are so overpowered, it's easy anyway because everything just drops bullets and shit they they're like you're not resource starved enough and this is the kind of game where you can resource starve a player and make them play well mm-hmm. yes chelsea's right i put so much effort into trying to like this game mm-hmm. it almost seems like the more you play it the less you like it like everyone had such glowing reviews after that first half hour and then off it mm-hmm. yeah like holy shit like I, I just don't see how anyone could legitimately be enjoying what this game is doing by the time that it decides to end because it's not it, it just does not progress in any meaningful way it's just like like I, I don't want to talk bad about somebody yeah. obviously because I know it's just one dude I know yeah. I know that like there's definitely definitely put effort into making this it's just somewhere along the line someone needed to communicate this can't sustain itself like maybe as a phone game over time it would make more sense but like as a console game or pc like it doesn't work it should have just been short and sweet basically instead yeah yeah i mean i would have hated this on phones like and i'm the phone game person here yeah it just kind of sounds like time waster like yeah yeah you just do a mission and hold the d-pad or whatever you know this virtual analog stick and run around smack some dudes yeah but but, but by like by like hour four this was a podcast game for me yeah because mm-hmm. like even the glowing reviews i saw like 
of that first half hour were already like, hmm, this seems, seems like a game you play in short bursts. Kind of like a phone game. Like, I remember starting out playing it thinking this was so good. It was like, oh, this is so neat. There's a lot of potential here for these very simple mechanics of just using the analog stick. There's so much smart shit you could do. I know it's smart because I've had the idea before and I'm very smart. Okay? I... I probably feel like remaking this game now using Flash or something. We, we found your first game maker project. I, I can do, I can do more than three enemy types. There's, there's you like, have done more than that. Yeah, I was, I've done way more than three enemy types in Hunters. Like I was playing this right, and like I get to the end of the first hour, and I'm like, this is really cool, man. I can't wait to see what it's doing. And then I get to hour three, and that's when it suddenly hits me. It's like, oh. Oh, you're not doing anything different, are you? Oh, no. Oh, no. The second area? Yeah. Yeah, that's like the second area. Like, oh, this isn't going to change at all. And then you see the same bosses showing up. There it is. Chelsea's got you covered. Never stop hunting. (laughs) But, yeah. I, I hate to say it. I cannot recommend Never Stop Sneaking. Just no. Wait, really? <laughs> that thumbs down. Was <laughs> <laughs> <It was> good. <gasps> Woo! <laughs> Comedic timing on fucking point. That was very good. Thank you. Holy shit, we're geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> It should not be as funny as it still is. (laughs) Never stop laughing. John said it was such innocent. It was so flat. It was so flat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for knowing it was a joke and not just assuming that I wasn't paying attention. See, I normally would have gone for the former. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it, I'm just really bummed out because I see the potential of what this game could have been and mm. how amazing it could have been as a very quick four hour, like, easily recommendable experience. And, like, I would recommend it as much as I do Dust. And, but, that, like, it's just, nah. So, like, in a four-hour version, like, you'd be getting cutscenes way faster, and I think that would probably keep people entertained enough, and then you'd be getting to the harder levels much faster. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, so. And then it, it'd probably soften the blow a bit of the yeah. of the lousy the the non-climax. Yeah. Those are, like, hard end-game levels, it's just that there's no space. Yeah, no space. No space. There's the literally no space. There's no final boss fight. There's no that's, final nothing. That's hard. How is there not a final boss? Though? Like, like, I know. Like, how is there? Crazy. It's like, I don't even need a final set of stages. Just at least give me a final boss. Anything. Just like anything that would be a climax. Like, just do the five levels again. But with a space background. Yeah, then put a space like background in the last set of stages. But just t- make it stars. Yes. And then just like make make a Gildenstern boss fight. That's all you have to do. 
make him run around and do the same thing other bosses do. I don't care, but it's just okay. the fact that nothing's there. If there was a reskin of a boss as the last boss, that'd be pretty bad too. <laughs> it would be bad, but it would soften the blow a bit. And you could riff on it if you wanted. Like the game could have easily riffed on this. Yeah. And they didn't. They just chose to go super straight with it. That's the weirdest part when the whole game is such an obvious tongue-in-cheek parody. To play that off straight is weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's ugh, ugh. What a video game. I'm glad I've got, I'm, I'm glad that like my next two gaming conquests are Final Fantasy 15 and Cuphead. Cool. I like Final Fantasy. So Cuphead is Nobody high on your list to play? Uh, I owe you that one. You owe me. Some. I owe you that one. And you, get to, and you even got it. You even waited till it was a recording, too. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> All right. So I guess if that's everything. Yeah. I guess we're going to go ahead and get out of y'all's hair. Uh, we know it was a short one, but... It was, it, you know, hey, we we got it in two weeks after the last one, so you know, if yeah. we can, if we can get them done like this, you know, like have fewer things to talk about, but be able to do them a little more often, we'll try. But again, I can't promise any kind of schedule with this dumb we still podcast. Ended up like talking about two or three things each. Yeah, yeah but I think that this yeah, we, it worked. Snappy, it works out. It's snappy. Snappy, snappy. I've got a couple things I want to plug. Um, I'm just gonna put the link to that Us Lovely Corpses game in the chat. And I'm also going to post a link to a friend's Kickstarter in the chat. All uh, right. The Imperishable, the Imperishable Memories game. It's All the right. one that looks like Project Ed 3, but in Unity. Yeah. Uh, okay, look up. Uh, look, yeah, look. What's the name of the game again? Imperishable Memories. Look up Imperishable Memories Kickstarter. Go give that a look if you're into shooters and feels and all that fun stuff. Mm, I really liked um, her previous game, Boa Retina. So and look up I us lovely corpses, uh, us, lo- us lovely corpses, uh, on itch.io. Um, I, I'm going to be playing that probably sometime this week too. So, um, itch.io, I like that itch.io. <laughs> that's what I call it. Um, but and also, uh, if you're into tinkering with, you know things like computers and or like you have a raspberry pi you want to turn into a laptop head on over to tinkerloon.com t-i-n-k-e-r-l-o-o-n.com that's a good pal rock grumblers newest project that he and his wife have worked on for the last couple of years it is a really really fucking cool thing and with uh, the plugs out of the way John Fire, where can our lovely podcast listeners find you? Um, farawaytimes.com. Ritz. N3.tumblr.com. And I want to, of course, thank everybody that came out for the live stream. I'm glad y'all came and hang, you know, and hung out with us, even though we weren't interacting much with chat. I don't know if either of these two doofuses even had the chat open. I had to close it because I started robotting. Uh, I was like, oh, probably should not have a video stream open. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming and hanging out uh, and all that fun stuff. And remember, we... Hey. Play Undertale. And play Undertale, of course. Thanks, Rhett. Another three years. Good job. <laughs> and remember, we are the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you. Mm-hmm.